Hello and welcome to Baffling Cyclops. I'm David. And I'm Pepper Proxy. And we're here to dazzle and delight. Yay! I missed dazzling and delighting last week. I know. I, we just didn't do it last week because... Um, we were exhausted. We were tired. <laughs> we were tired. And low-key. And, uh, there was also a little bit of a peanut emergency because Costco didn't have any peanuts. It's true. And we ended up going to uh, Carpentino Brothers way south of Seattle just to pick up a 25-pound uh, mesh sack of nuts. And they were not fit for human consumption, and the crows let us know. Yeah, they were not as not as happy, no. not as pleased. Um, there were definitely more um, turndowns where they pick through the nuts mm-hmm. and yeah. look for a good one, and they sometimes <laughs> would just leave them behind. They just left them for the blues. It's true. They turned their beaks up at it. The blues ate well. Yes. On non-human consumable nuts but thankfully human consumable nuts are back the roasted ones and they're much happier and i gave them a new nickname what's that roasties roasties i know i think roasties are actually like roasted potatoes like in the uk Mm -hmm. but in our household that's what we're going to call the roasted peanuts okay human consumption human consumption (laughs) peanuts I do want to talk about something really fast because I think since the last time we did a podcast or maybe just like a, a week or two before that, um, you signed me up for TikTok. I did. And um, I've been kind of enjoying it. Yeah. It, it, my my take on it was um, I first asked you, has it has the algorithm picked out things specifically for you? And you said no. It yeah. hasn't. And then um, I woke up and you were watching TikToks in bed while I was sleeping. And I looked over and there was a woman going through her house with a black light looking for um, <laughs> stuff. And I was like, oh, it figured yeah. it figured Pepper out. Well, it did. It's, it's interesting because I think that it originally, you know, for maybe the first four days that I watched TikTok, um, it thought that I was an African-American um, maybe middle-aged mom of younger kids. Um, and I really enjoyed that, and I really liked that content. So maybe because I just like some of the funny kids. And then um, I finally was able to get into the unlock the mystery of, like, the cooking things. Right. So once I was able to have um, the kid content with the cooking content and then some funny stuff... Um, It's been enjoyable. Yeah. Um, But the reason why I'm bringing it up is because I think you introduced me to uh, a TikTok of uh, a frenzy at a TJ Maxx. Right. And, um, you know, my sister Diana gave us a gift card this Christmas, which was just so generous and sweet. Um, And TJ Maxx is like a discount store. They have three different stores under their umbrella. It's TJ Maxx, Marshalls, and HomeGoods. Um, And a lot of this stuff, well, a percentage of the stuff is jobbed out, which means it's product that was originally uh, manufactured for sale for maybe more premium locations. Some of the product is manufactured for discounting. 
Um, and then some of the stuff is just manufactured, I think, exclusively for TJX. And their, their whole point and purpose and view is they're a treasure hunting company. A total so, treasure hunting, which means merchandising, like my area of expertise, is pretty non-existent right. in those in those stores. And in a, a, a regular store, if you were going to sell, for example, a specific kind of chocolate, you might buy an inner box of eight to put on the shelf yes. because you're doing it. And at TJ Maxx, there might only be one. Well, I think what they do is, I think, I think they have a magical allocation system. So... I, and I don't know this because I don't know right. anybody who works for the company, um, but I would guess they have, they do buy those larger inner shipping sure. things and those, those boxes, but then their allocation is just like, it may, it's made to feel very random right. and rare, but it's not really. So... Whoever is in charge of allocation, I don't know if it's they do plan, a great job. planning and allocation, or ju- I would say planning and allocation because I think they're they're doing well as far as financially. Sure. But allocation for sure, they do a phenomenal job. And I think one of the things that they're trying to do is give you the feeling of a goodwill or a Salvation Army, but with new product. So you go in and you don't, hunt. Yeah. Yeah, you don't know what you're yeah. going to find. But with some of the good parts of retail shopping, whereas they might have multiple sizes of the same item, like if they might have shoes yeah. or whatever. So it has some benefits over it. Yeah, for sure. And return policy and all yeah. that kind of stuff too. Yeah. But, but you don't know, you know, if you go in and they have bee towels one time. I should have got, why didn't I buy those bee towels? I know. You, then you, you, you start to develop a FOMO about TJ Maxx because you're like, I need to buy it because it's not going to be here the next yeah. time. Um, so we don't go very often, um, but those bee towels, so, you know, I do like bees, but I'm not really into kitsch stuff, but we did see some bee towels there and they were like marked down too. They were super cheap. Guess what? I've gone on eBay to find those bee towels. They're selling for like hundreds of flipping dollars. And not just listed for that amount, but selling right. for that which, amount. Which leads so I did in, more research. <laughs> which leads you into your topic, right? Yeah. So I wanted to talk a little bit about retail arbitrage, which is because, you know, I do some reselling and usually it's like some really cool vintage stuff, some apparel, um, at markets, which I don't do anymore because, you know, the, the coronavirus, and also some online on Poshmark and um, Etsy. I had an Etsy home shop. but So I've done a little bit of research in retail arbitrage, which is when people seek out, they go to um, retailers. So it's not just like uh, Nordstrom Rack and TJ Maxx. Um, a lot of people do that, but they also go to retailers like um, Anthropology, Nordstrom, where they buy things that are have been way marked down. Um, it's full-time job. People make like, you know, well into the mid six figures doing this. Um, but it's like more than a full-time job. Yeah, and the, it's a risk. the idea is like at an individual store, there might not be someone who wants an extra small poodle sweater. Yes. But 
there's an extra small person looking for that poodle sweater exactly. somewhere else. So the arbitrage is you buy the stuff and yeah. then match it to that long tail customer that's looking yes. for just what you specifically have. And the super successful retail arbitrage sellers um, sell the product for more than the original retail price because it's a high demand product. Right. Which leads me to um, this TikTok video you sent me of a frenzy. It was either at a Home Goods or at a TJ Maxx of people just storming the castle looking for um, a type of pottery called Ray Dunn. Right. And the person who posted the video said he, he or she had been warned they were an employee at TJ Maxx. <laughs> and I sent it to you because I know you're fascinated with the retail arbitrage and anything where people are lining up outside the store. And then as soon as the doors open and they all run into the display to yes. pick and through and just yes. pick everything up off the shelves. And, and basically in the video, they're buying things almost at random. It seemed like whatever they could get their hands on, they were going to buy. Yeah whether or not they wanted it yeah. or not. So I I was fascinated by that. Right. Um, and so I did a little bit of research and come to find out Vice just put out, an, uh, Vice Online oh, really? just did an article oh, five days cool. ago. And I think it was because of that, that TikTok that video. TikTok video went viral. So what, what's happening is there are people that do resell mm -hmm. um, and they are selling for more significantly more than what they pay for it. Um, but then there also there's also a huge group of collectors. And these people go, and I'm not judging them because sure. I have been, I know, you know. We know what the I collecting just, bug is I like. Just, yeah. I just placed an order for some um, eight and a half yards of Mary Mecco vintage fabric from 1967 that should be coming this week. Oh. And I don't have a plan for what I'm going to do with it. But so I'm, I'm not judging. Um, so there is a huge amount of collectors of this Ray Dunn. They go every single day. It's become almost like a social thing. So they gather outside the store every day. Every and day. go in just to see if there's new Ray yes. Dunn stuff? Yes. That's crazy. Yes. It's, it, it's you know, well, it, it becomes an obsession. And then a couple of, you know, there are a couple of women that, are, and men too, that are like, it was, they were spending thousands of dollars that they don't have on really? this Ray Dunn stuff. And so I was like... Well, With, no, this was just to have, not to resell, right? To have. Right. Yeah, to have. Okay. Um, because I think if you're reselling, there's a lot of stuff. I mean, we just went to Home Goods this weekend because um, of that gift card, and I was tickled. I was like, oh my gosh, here in Seattle, they have that Ray Dunn right. stuff. Yes. And maybe I should buy some of it because I think I could resell it. Um, but I also learned that you can download a, a barcode scanner. And there are some people that go to um, those retailers every day and scan all the new product that has come in. If they can sell it for more than what they pay, they buy it. And they list it right then in the store. In the store or in the parking lot. Wow. And they have a whole system down. Um, and could you describe the Ray Dunn stuff just a little bit? So it it's very much like um, 
live, laugh, love kind of thing, but a little bit more sophisticated in my opinion. Um, it's pottery and it, a lot of it has like words on it. Yeah. It's mostly, it's just like almost like a chalk white color, but shiny. With, and then it says like queen bee or yeah, mama bear yeah. and things like that yeah. on it. Because I, I went with you to the, obviously to the home store to yeah. look at it. And I did see it while we were there. Yeah. And I could understand the attraction to it. I mean, obviously not for me, but I understand like why somebody might want it because there's so much of it too. Yeah. And, you know, I think as a collection, it sits well together. Yeah. Um, the funny thing is I found some of it because, you know, I'm on a search for plates. Um, I found some and I didn't know what it was right. at the Goodwill. I found it at the Goodwill and it looked, it reminded, so I love Molly Hatch and Molly Hatch ceramics. We have some of her stuff. Um, and so it kind of reminded me when I found it, I was like, oh wow, this kind of feels a little bit like Molly Hatch as far as the design. Um, but I didn't love the fact that it had a stamp of like a fork and a knife, like miniature, very small scale on this, like white, irregular shaped and, kind of. And now organic. you feel like you should have bought it. Um, maybe. To resell. Maybe. But I really, I wanted, I'm like, this feels good. The weight feels good. I just, I, I like it's the design element. I just didn't like the image of the, sure. the little fork, the little knife, the little spoon. Super cute, but I would have liked it if it was plain. Right. Um, so I did a little bit more research, and um, Ray Donna is a real person from mm. the Bay Area. Okay. And her personal aesthetic, I'll, I'll show you a picture, seems so different than her collection of Ray Dunn. Interesting. It's really fascinating. So this is something that um, as Goodwill and Salvation Army reopen, I mean, they are open, but as you feel more comfortable going there, um, you can keep your eye open for this too, because I'm sure some of it that shows up there is going to be like super collectible. Well, I did a reverse search to see what what things, so that's how I like find stuff if I should sell it or not. I go to... The sold tab, not what's listed. And then I do it from high to low to see what's selling. So there are just a couple of things that if I f- see it... You would buy it. Absolutely will buy it. Um, but I think that maybe because there are so many people who are so passionate about it, I might just leave it for the person who loves Ray Dunn. Okay. But I just was so fascinated by the whole thing. And there are tons of articles now. Yeah, it's interesting when you find like a whole subculture like that that you didn't know existed. Yeah. And uh, then poof, all of a sudden it's a big deal. And yeah. it's all over the place and everybody knows about it. Yeah, it's interesting. Ray Dunn, yeah. yeah. Um, so I'll, um, I'm going to show you this picture okay. of her. Yeah. In her studio, which kind of feels very different. Than- I don't know. It's pretty simple. It's all simple stuff. Like, I can see. Like, And she has, um, she's wearing a t-shirt that has the font that yeah, she uses love, for everything. Yeah. So, yeah. Very interesting. It, and it's a whole, it's a whole series of things. It's not just ceramics. She does um, bedding, all kinds of yeah. other. They had a ton of stuff at our home goods. A ton of stuff at home yeah. goods, yeah. But maybe we can even put the video of the people sure. like, in a frenzy. And it might not be a Seattle thing either. 
Right. It might be that ours, there's nobody showing up every day at Home Goods to look at Ray Dunn yeah, stuff. Yeah, it seems very, um, it feels like a little bit more Southern maybe, or a modern modern farmhouse, um, maybe a little bit more Midwestern. Um, but yeah, I, I just thought, thought it was really fascinating. Yeah, that's cool. I was going to mention too, our new neighbors across the street put a porch crotch out. <laughs> Which oh now, my gosh, it tickles. They have a plant on top of the porch crotch. No, they have a frog on top oh, of the porch crotch. Oh, it's a frog. Crotch. Sorry, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> porch Sorry. crotch. So it's a the midsection of a mannequin, so the legs are unscrewed. And it's well. It's I. I'll, I can tell you what it is. It's either for um, underwear or bathing suit bottoms. There aren't. There were never legs to begin with on that. And, and, a, and so right above the belly button, there's yeah. a flat surface with a f- giant yes. frog on it. And I think um, I think Henry and Dee don't like the, the porch crotch. Well, I know for sure Dee doesn't because I talked with her. We talked with her about it. But I have to say, I met the neighbors. That they seem really nice. In. They seem like lovely yeah. young women. And can you sneak a picture of porch crotch? Of course. I'll put a picture of porch crotch in the... <laughs> It's visible from the street, so I don't feel too creepy. Although, no. if I <laughs> yeah. it, taking um, a picture of it, although now that there's two like twenty year old women there, I don't want to take a picture of their window or anything. No, maybe so. I should do it. Um, <laughs> it's hard. That's hard to say. Porch crotch. It is. That's kind of why I like the <laughs> phrase. I, I don't know. I thought it was funny. Um, I I had a topic I was going to talk about this week. Um, Yay! Which you know um, that I like magic mm-hmm. and magicians and it's something that you know I've I've liked since I was very little. Yes. When I was in the second grade um I actually we had to do a report on mm-hmm. a famous person and read a biography and I read a Houdini biography and then we had to come into school in costume and give an oral report oh with gosh. questions. I wish I had a picture of baby Houdini Davy. Right, which was which was a oh. basically a black cape and uh, chains around my hands, oh. and I could break out of the, yeah. the chains. Cute. And uh, I I read the adult <laughs> quote, course, quote unquote. Of course you did. Uh, Houdini biography. So I had tons of information. Uh, and I'm sure I was extraordinarily uh, irritating to everyone with the amount of Houdini information. No, that I, I would had. think it was endearing. <laughs> but I was Houdini obsessed, and I've continued to kind of like magic throughout my life, but not to the point of obsession that I did when I was uh, very young. Mm-hmm. And when I started working at Archie McPhee, I pitched a Houdini action figure and we ended up making the Houdini it's action cool figure. Too. Yeah, it's a cool action figure. I don't actually have one. The only one that I kept was a Houdini action figure package that came in with no action figure in it. So he escaped the package. <laughs> so I liked that one more yeah, than cool. him doing yeah. like a straight jacket yeah. escape because it came with a straight jacket. Yeah. It might be the only action figure that came with a removable straight jacket. I'm sure there's some action figure that has a straight jacket. I bet you there's a Hannibal Lecter with the mask and the straight jacket, Maybe but I don't so. think it's removable. <laughs> it should come as no surprise to anyone that I sometimes look at the Houdini blog. Uh-huh. And I, there's an interesting thing going on in the Houdini blog, which 
I thought what? I thought might fascinate you, which is a year ago, about a year ago, this couple of magicians say that they found Houdini's real water torture cell. Oh, this is great. <laughs> so this is great. What a magic so trick. <laughs> David Copperfield owns the real water torture cell. He paid $150,000 for it. Now, people don't like David Copperfield for a lot of very good reasons to yeah. not like him. We don't have to talk about that. No, but I'm just saying, and I, I, I know someone who refers to him as David Copperknob. <laughs> <laughs> thing to know for this story is um, there are two, this is another, it kind of draws into yours with the collecting side of things. There's a good side to collecting and a bad side to collecting. And, yes, we both know. And... So David Copperfield has spent all his money amassing probably the biggest magic collection in the world. He owns everything. Which is really cool if he opened it up for, like, had a museum. Right. But at the same time, that means other people don't have. Yeah. And there are a lot of people who collect magic stuff, and they're kind of used to, for the big items, David Copperfield having everything. He's greedy. Well, yes. <laughs> and he wants it all. Um, you know, and he has... Uh, does he have any Doug Henning stuff? I'm sure he does. The rainbow suspenders? I don't know. <laughs> but um, so when this cell came up and it was from uh, the Niagara Falls Museum, uh-huh. they said that there was a cell. Theoretically, the cell was in that museum, but they're saying that that cell was a fake. And they had, at some point, there was a cell in the museum, and then it got put in storage. And when it got taken out of storage, it was fake, and they have the real one. Okay, so the, if David Copperfield knows about this, he's probably got his panties in a bunch. Oh, sure. Um, you know, he's got straight jacket panties. <laughs> they're. Yeah, that <laughs> they're hurts. Binding. Like, it's yeah. one little binder they're up binding. your crack. Yeah. So <laughs> Not that I know from experience. <laughs> but. He's um, so he's he may be interested in it, but the magic community is debating whether or not this is an actual water torture cell or not. And when I say water torture cell, this is the kind of wood and glass booth where he would hang upside down with his ankles through two uh-huh. two holes in the top of the cell. They would put a curtain up and then he would escape from it. And you and I actually have seen um, Penn and Teller do their version of yeah. the trick, which I love because in their version, um, Teller dies. Mm-hmm. And we when we saw it, he actually stayed in the cell during the intermission of the show until they wheeled it off, mm-hmm. which is hilarious. Um, and then he came back out with no explanation alive for the next and act. dry and dry, <laughs> which is awesome. Yeah. theirs is so funny. Um, but, and Houdini's water tells water torture cell escape was actually dangerous. Like he broke his ankle doing it. Cause there was a lot I mean, you're, in shackles upside Didn't down. Did he hurt his like liver or something doing he's, it? He's, or? He, he, he had so many injuries. Yeah, but this yeah. was one of those things where it was just a, a crazy, crazy thing. And about a year ago, they initially posted about the cell and posted a few pictures. And everyone was like, oh, yeah, maybe, maybe it's it. So then this month they posted more detailed pictures. Uh-huh. And at this point, in my opinion... Okay. In, in David's opinion, it's so obvious that it's fake, it's crazy, uh-huh. that 
other people are taking it seriously. Oh, that tickles me. That tickles me. And part of the it's reason... It's a magic trick. It, well, I mean, magicians... It's mag, Yeah. <laughs> magicians have a, a relationship with the truth because most of them change their name yeah. and they lie about what they've accomplished. Yeah. And it's kind of an accepted part sure. of being a magician that you would say... I've performed for eight crowned princes of Europe and blah, 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 all of that stuff. So it's really interesting to me that um, they're trying to present this as real. And at first you're like, whatever, it's not that big a deal. But they have a couple tells. I don't know anything about the physical part of the cell, whether it's real or not. Because a lot of people are comparing it to old pictures. They're trying to do carbon dating. Oh, (laughs) That came up in the comments. Oh, really? Yeah. DNA testing. Uh, and someone pointed out carbon dating is not specific enough. <laughs> no. <for this. laughs> no I'm like, when I Which said it, it was a joke. I understand. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But someone did suggest it. Yeah. And someone's like, no, carbon dating would not work for Within this particular day. object. <laughs> a couple uh, centuries. So, but um, they've compared the wood grain to the old wood grain mm-hmm. and yeah. where bolts are, yeah. and, you know, all kinds of complicated stuff. And there's some differences, but also some things were taken off and, uh, the evolution of the trick. Right. Um, so the reason I think it's not true are two, two, <laughs> two stories that they wait. told about it. One is, so they've had it for a year now and then, they said in the description that uh, the people that have it said that they were cleaning the glass on the inside one day with a, and the Windex bottle fell and the back of the, the booth like shook and they're like, wait, there must be something here. And they fiddled around with it and found the metal tube that uh, Houdini used to be. And that is such a, such a, uh, overly detailed story yeah. for what it the is. The more detailed, the more likely it's not true. Correct. <laughs> yeah. But I think also people are so into this story that they love the detail. Mm-hmm. So the the people in the comment section are eating it with a with a uh, silver spoon. And the other thing is, um, while they were disassembling one of the locks, they found a coin from 1909 oh my that was used as a shimmy. I don't even know what a shimmy is. Oh, I do. It's just like it's a shim. It like you you use it for like windows and when you're doing woodwork, it's yeah. like a little wedge. Right. Yeah. So I don't know what British coin it was because I couldn't tell from yeah. the, the picture. But I, my guess is in 1909, whatever coin it was, a shimmy would have been cheaper than whatever the coin was. Yeah. Right. <laughs> like and why? Yeah. Like so, I don't know why you would use a coin, but of course it's from the year before. It was supposed to have been built. Right. And um, I love that kind of thing because it's a, like, well, we found this coin in there, so it must be true. And uh, I love these guys, whoever they are, who are, it's yeah. like, it, it is a trick. It's a magic trick that they're doing right now. Right. And the more hype they can get for the fraud, even if it's revealed to be a complete fraud, what they made still has value. Because, it absolutely because, does, and is irritating David Copperfield, which I love too. Right, exactly. So two things: it's irritating David Copperfield, and uh, it's making value for the object in the, in a weird way. So, and since David Copperfield paid one hundred and fifty thousand dollars for it, they're like, I'm guessing they're they're eventually going to say like, well, we don't know if it's real or not. 
like here's the evidence, yeah. but we'll sell it for seventy five thousand or a hundred thousand, hoping which, that he might buy it. I think I think that might be what's going on, and and Good I think for them. But I think the reason David Copperfield might buy it is to prove that it's not real. Yeah, and then sue them. Oh my goodness! Well, <laughs> but, they could put some qualifiers in there eBay listing that protects them from being, <laughs> being just, sued. This is this is the, this is my guess though for the next the next uh, step in their reveal is they're going to find a secret compartment that has a diary of the man that built the oh, water yeah. cell yeah. in it with an entry that's like. And now, on July seventh, nineteen eleven, I lock this diary in here, having built it with great pride. Yeah, yeah. Clunk, clunk. yeah. And that's so, awesome. But uh, I love that kind of detailing stuff. Where it was like, as soon as I saw the coin wedged in the thing, I was like, "Oh, this is so fake." Yeah, this is so fake. And I think part of the reason for that too is uh, is a lot of those uh, TikTok people have been finding. Um, fake basements and and all kinds of oh, stuff, yeah. and they always put like an old magazine or a newspaper in there to be like, "Look, it's from 1963. Well, no one's been tell- in here." You were telling me one that was so funny, um, oh, where they said they found a hidden room in their cellar. Well, they found this. Uh, they didn't know they had a basement, and then they showed the basement, and that's where the hot water tank <laughs> and the electrical uh, fuse boxes. Like a super modern, well, yeah. <laughs> And I was like, well, I guess it's possible. I guess Your it's home possible. inspector would have been yeah, able to find that but for I, you. I'm guessing it's possible that they've never been in there before, having lived in the house. But I kind of doubt that, that no one's been in there for very long. <laughs> but funny. that was my little uh, nugget for the week, was the water torture cell escape. So um, I'll try and sneak over and take a picture of the porch crotch. Okay, be careful though. I don't want. We already have a neighbor that's like got the, her eyeballs on us, so I, <laughs> I, I don't want to get like labeled like the porch crotch sneakers. <laughs> <laughs> All right, bye everybody. Bye. Don't forget to subscribe to this podcast and to read our show notes. Sign up for our newsletter at bafflingcyclops.com. <laughs>